All right, you guys, you are going to love this episode today. Steve has been just a trusted advisor for my husband and I when it comes to making decisions around the money that we're making and how we can invest it in places that long-term is going to give us a phenomenal return on investment. He challenges you to really think about your retirement plan beyond your 401k and how you can be putting it into hard assets. We also talk about tough conversations around tax, including our children in the business and what that looks like. Hot topic. I think you guys are really going to love this episode. Need some effective tactical advice that actually helps you get results and makes a real difference in your life and business? You've come to the right place. If you're finding yourself here today, it means you're getting ready to gain serious traction in your business, rapidly multiply your income and impact, and you're ready to make it happen while living all out. Guys, I'm Melissa Henault, your trustworthy corporate dropout turned six-figure business burnout turned happy and healthy CEO of a multi-million dollar online business, and you're listening to the Burnout to All Out podcast. On this show, we're serving up innovative growth strategies, simple implementation methods to put them into practice, and action-stimulating inspiration tailored specifically for the modern entrepreneur. Let's dive in. All right, we are live. I have got one of my favorite friends, Mr. Steve Valentine here today. You guys are not going to want to miss this. If you're catching us live, stop scrolling because you're going to want to hear how this man has created generational wealth through real estate. And not only that, but I want to dive into some tax strategies too, because you are a tax strategist. Steve, welcome to the Burnout to All Out podcast. Thank you. So great to be here. Yes. All right. So before we jump in, so everybody knows what a badass you are, I'm just going to read like the formal bio and then I'm going to give you guys the informal (laughs) bio. So Steve is a real estate strategist and team leader. Let me just go ahead and say he has a growing portfolio of over $50 million in single family homes. So I hope that like gets your your attention, but he has experienced burnout. He's experienced potential rock bottom. We're going to talk a little bit about that. That is like the inspiration of burnout to all out, right? Is where we've come from and where we are today and that inspiration. So Steve has crafts a path for others to create multi-generational wealth by sharing his proven methods, mentoring, giving actual opportunities, stories, and most importantly, his personal experience in real estate investing and solutions. And I can't wait to get into your story. He is not shy about his experiences of coming back from the brink of bankruptcy and growing a portfolio of over 50 million and more in 80 single family homes, right? This is what we're talking about in the beginning. He's passionate about solving other people's problems, which I can attest to. He's helped us and a master of unconventional solutions and fearless when it comes to investing strategies and solutions. He's an avid classic car enthusiast. I've actually been in his huge, what I call like monster truck. My kids love the videos of this. He loves pickleball and racquetball. And when he's not handcrafting real estate solutions for clients, he's with his family. And what I love about all of this with the bio, Steve, is like you are the example, the shining star example of living all out, right? Because you're not just a real estate guru. You are not just brilliant at generating generational wealth. You are a master of experiences and priority with your family and doing fun fucking things too, right? (laughs) Uh, All the time. Yeah. And so I love that about you. And I'll share with you guys kind of the impersonal or, or the personal bio, my own experience with Steve from day one, he and I have been in a mastermind together for the past two years. And he was the inspiration for me to really get started and actually being more creative and diversifying where I was putting my money so that it could work harder for me than I've worked for it. It was, I will never forget being in the car on a three-way call between you and my husband on a decision about investing in land where I had Mm -hmm. finally started setting aside 10% in my business to go somewhere into an asset. I wasn't sure where it was going to go. And you were the one who really kicked us over the fence to get momentum and move forward in that direction. But you've also given us a ton of incredible tax strategy tips as we've been growing and scaling our business. And so I for sure we'll get into that. But so that's the, the personal 
aspect of Steve is he's just become a dear friend and a confidant. We've shared so much together and learned so much from each other. And I think that that is a huge piece of what being in a group mastermind is all about. And so I'm so glad that Chris Harder brought us together. No doubt. Yeah. So with that, let's just jump in to the juicy part, the brink of bankruptcy. Okay. So now you have $50 million in assets when it comes to a portfolio of property, but you've been on the brink of bankruptcy, right? So can Mm -hmm. we just start there? Like what was going on in your world? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's the ebb and flow of the real estate market. And when I was 25, we were on my parents' real estate team, my wife and I, and my dad had this great idea of we needed to open a bunch of construction companies. So we diversified. And what happened was, is we didn't diversify well. And, you know, we, we started these companies, you know, thinking that a painter could run a company and a painter paints, not runs a company. And so what happened was it took our eye off the ball, which real estate was really where the wealth was being built. And, you know, we went in all these different directions and it created chaos. It created expense. And what was happening was, you know, this is where I first learned to understand a PL and how much loss was happening, right? And looking at the numbers and knowing what's really happening. And my dad always operated if there was money in the bank, we were making money, and that's not the way to operate a business. And so, anyway, that, that really took us down, coupled with the real estate market crashing. You know, my, my wife and I, we lost our home. We had a partnership. So, listen to this real quick. We had a partnership with my parents that we had sold rental properties. We invested our cash into what was supposed to be a partnership with my parents. All right, guys, I left my corporate career and took everything I knew and built a million dollar business on the internet in just 19 months. And you can too. My name is Melissa Hinal, and I've helped hundreds of entrepreneurs escape the corporate cage and create the business and life they deserve. Too often, building a business can be like jumping out of the fire and into the frying pan. Can you relate? Without the right strategies, you can work tirelessly, feel like you're missing out on life, and not have much to show for it. Even worse, you're no closer to finding the freedom that you wanted than when you were stuck in that job. I'm here to change that for you. On May 13th, I am hosting a seven-day virtual intensive for people ready to build a business that gives them the freedom and life they've been looking for. So how are we going to do this? Over a jam-packed week, I'll spend about 90 minutes each day to reset your strategies and build the clarity to drive the results and profits you desire. First, we'll build a foundation of lead generation and audience growth to connect with the perfect people. Then we're going to grow by implementing an optimized sales conversion strategy that drives results. Then we're going to scale your success with an optimized offer ladder and retain clients for longer. And we're going to do this live with hot seats and Q&As to give you the proven processes to build your dream business without the burnout. Best of all, it's completely free to join. You deserve a business that serves you and not one that you have to serve. And when you have the right strategies and processes, you can create a business that does this. Join me free on May 13th to build grow and scale a business that will set you free. The problem was, is we weren't on any of the documents with my parents. Wow. So all the money that we put in ended up being a personal loss for us. So we didn't get to take the losses going forward. My parents took losses for 10 years on those businesses that we didn't take. And because it wasn't structured right, I didn't know. It was 25. Right. And so I learned from that, like, hey, if I'm going to invest in a company or be part of it, then I need to be on the documents so that I have the the tax write off capability for both profit and loss. And so that was pretty painful because, you know, when Wendy and I went to like lost our house, we had a one year old and a three year old, lost our house to foreclosure. We had no money, like nothing. And all the, we had put a million dollars worth of cash into the business and we lost a million dollars worth of assets at the age 27. Right. And that was a very, very hard time from 2008 to 2009. I'll give you the highlights. We lost everything. We moved into a rental property. 
I watched my wife walk out to go wait tables during Christmas season. And as a man, as a father, as a husband, I had failed. And that sometime during that week, I I literally wrote a suicide note because I had failed. Like I was that deep in the hole and not knowing what to do. And by the grace of God, I, I, you know, I pulled myself out of that and we, we started to figure some things out. But then in, at the end of 2009, I was doing a mad mud run and broke my neck. So I crushed C5, C6 in an obstacle course where I smacked my head on a rock and 50-50 chance of being paralyzed that Thanksgiving year, you know, in 2009. And so we had just been given the opportunity to get into the foreclosure market, which was super big in all of what was going on, right? If you had a, what was called an REO account or a bank account dealing with foreclosures, you, you had like the golden ticket. It was a lot of work, but you had the golden ticket to move forward and the sky was, it was unlimited. And I was literally like, I told Wendy, I'm like, nobody knows that this is going on. So I was pinned up in a hospital and I was doing the work from my laptop with my assistant next to me going, I can't lose this opportunity no matter what. And so we just worked, we just worked through it. And by the grace of God, it was six weeks later, they put eight pins in my neck and uh, kind of pieced me back together like Humpty Dumpty. And we were off and running, but it was, uh, it was a scary time that year. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is kind of history. So that, that was really my burnout when it comes yeah. down to it. But I learned a lot from that time. 100%. There's so many things that you've, you've said here. I actually did a little Insta story on this this morning about how failure, I do a lot of analogies to the gym and the business, right? And that, you know, like this morning in the gym, there were, it was reps to fail, right? Like it was reps yep. to fail on pull-ups. It was reps to fail on Romanian chairlifts, whatever you call them, but it was all for progress. Right. And what you're pointing out here to me that I love to underscore is like, what are perceivably the massive failures actually are massive growth and mm-hmm. where we are headed. And now you have like, there was so much learned in that experience to make your future business is rock solid based off of the failures of the past, but you wouldn't know to structure things moving forward the way you did if you didn't fail right. forward in the first place. Here's the number one thing I learned in that, that I, that I constantly keep to myself, that I tell people when they're going through hard times. I honestly believe that God allowed Wendy and I to go through those struggles in order to refine us for our future and to help other people that were about to go through it. Because we lost our house before it was popular to lose your house. And we had so much debt and so many things. I mean, I remember having conversations. People were like, I have $7,000 in credit card. I'm like, I have 400000 Do you want to trade? Right? It can be so much worse. But it, it literally, are, we had already gone through the hard part of it. And we were on the upswing. So it allowed us to help so many people through their tough times because we had already been through it. And I believe that had we not gone through that, we wouldn't have been prepared for what we're doing now, you know, for our accounting systems, for all the different things, how we set up our partnerships. So we had to go through that, yes. that failure to get to where we're at. And so I would encourage anybody out there that feels like they're going through a tough time is that, you know, you can't have success without failure. Yes. That's right. Or you just stay stagnant. And if you continue moving forward, doing what you've always done, you're just living in the past, right? So I I love right. this conversation, Steve. So we're going to get more into kind of your real estate expertise here in a minute. But just to kind sure. of ruminate on the story a little bit, I've heard you tell this a number of times, and I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit more with my community, because I know I have a lot of real estate agents in my LinkedIn Academy. And that is, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll just kind of kick off the conversation of you kind of growing up, seeing your father help people in the transaction space of purchasing homes. But you, you've jumped that threshold and are building massive legacy wealth for yourself in the real estate space. Can mm-hmm. you talk to us a little bit about the aha moment of the radical difference in how you've moved forward building legacy wealth versus what was taught to you in real estate growing up. The real estate business is really funny on how most of us learn it, which is the more homes you sell, the more money you make, the harder you grind, the more money you make, like it's all in transaction count numbers, right? My aha moment was seven years ago, it'll be eight years in September, my dad passed away. He was diagnosed with brain cancer suddenly. And, you know, from death, from diagnosis to death was nine months. 
in that nine months, I had to help break down his business to set my mom up for success in that space. But what I learned was my dad, he was a real estate genius, like true genius. He survived 40 years, right? 19% interest rate, 16%, like through all the crap you can possibly think about, my dad survived it because he got creative and thought outside the box. But he was always doing it for the paycheck and never doing it for himself for the delayed gratification. It was always the instant gratification. And he was the epitome of most of my industry, which is living paycheck or commission check to commission check, because there's this real estate roller coaster that we talk about. And he had one investor that he bought 500 homes for at trustee sale. Now, to put this in perspective, for those of you that weren't in the market in 2008, in Phoenix, Arizona, you could buy four walls and a roof for 20 grand. And this guy bought 500 of those properties that are now worth like 10x what my dad paid for him. Actually, probably 20, some even 30x, depending on when he bought them. But my dad was doing that for two and $3,000 a house. But he never had the wherewithal or maybe the confidence to go, I need to buy one out of every 20. How do I do it? Who do I borrow money from? So that I can start collecting my stuff rather than just building for others. Now, I thoroughly believe that you know my dad did a great job for a lot of people. This one particular investor was a greedy sucker. I lost all respect for him. The promises he made for my dad and all the work that my dad did for him. When my dad died, it was a week later. This guy gave my mom and I two middle fingers and left. Wow. And all the promises he made to my dad for my dad's hard work and keeping prices down left. That was my aha moment that there's two things. One, I will definitely be my own client. I will definitely look at things. I have spent 25 years in this business and I've earned the right to keep the home run deals that come across my plate. My dad always felt like, well, my investors need this. And he would pass on these great deals rather than trying to figure out how to keep them for himself. But the aha moment was this. I will work with you as an investor, but I will not work for you. And the difference is, is that when I work with you, we both are kind of operating a partnership. We are both going to make money and we are both going to keep creating strategies to keep moving this forward. When you work for an investor, you know they typically put a shock collar on you. And every time they shock it, they want you to answer their call, answer their text immediately. And they grind you so hard. And then they grind you down on what you make. And then you're, you're really left with nothing at the end of the day, other than another transaction that you resent. Right. So I just refuse to go forward. And I have very firm conversations with somebody that wants to invest and understand my strategies that I want to work with you and I'm going to help you. And I'm going to share all these different strategies and things that I've done. But if you think you're going to call and berate me, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like there's got to be a mutual respect. I don't give a shit how much money you have. I don't care. Because I can do this on my own. I can do these things, but I want to share what I've accomplished and I want to help you get to that next level as well. And so that was really the big thing that came out of that in the aha moment. That is so good. And again, just the undercurrent of the all out kind of methodology of being this modern entrepreneur that has boundaries, right? And makes your Mm -hmm. lifestyle and your business and what you do, not only sustainable, but you love what you do. And I bet you love who you work with because you're kind of self-selecting who you're going to be doing business with. And these people highly value your time, right? I love that. And the other thing that you said that I love is be your own client, right? To be your own client. So Let's get into that. Let's get into some investing tips and strategy because I know you said kind of at the beginning, you know, when you're talking about getting started and investing in your first property, like where do people start who don't have a lot of cash to get started? How do people get creative? Is it is it smart if you've especially with the housing prices right now, if someone's got a ton of equity in their home, but they don't have a lot of hard cash, is it smart for them to take out an equity line and get started in building their real estate portfolio? Can you give us a couple of tips for people who, let's talk about people who don't have as much cash, but want to get started. And then let's talk about people who probably have more than enough cash and aren't being smart about where they're putting it. Like, well, we'll talk about that one in a minute, but let's talk about the people who want to get started with kind of a limited cash reserve? Like what are some creative ways to get started? So 
So I love that. And so, you know, a lot of people try to time the market perfect and there is no perfect timing. I can show you law of average of what we've invested in in the last eight years. And some of them we paid way more money for than when we started, but we had to start somewhere. Right. And so it, it starts to average out. And, you know, for somebody that's just starting, they're thinking interest rates are too high. They can't afford something. And the mindset is actually they can afford something. It just may not be their ideal property right now. So if you can shift, this is where I take our first time home buyers and I shift their mindset from I'm a first time home buyer to I'm a first time investor. And I'm going to buy a property that I'm going to rent from myself so that my 50 year old self can retire with X amount of properties free and clear with X amount of passive income just by working my job and making some moves. So here's where it comes down. Somebody that has a minimum amount of money, there are more programs out there for zero down right now. There's FHA programs that are three and a half percent down. Now, because of interest rates, you might not be able to buy the ideal property that you want to live in. But you for sure can buy a property that you can live in knowing that I'm going to be here for a year or 18 months. And this is the start of my path to investing. Because owner-occupant hacking is the cheapest, lowest barrier to entry that you can buy real estate. Imagine this, right? $300,000 house, you can control a $300,000 asset for $9,500, okay? You get some tax perks with it as far as interest write-off. The interest rates will adjust. They will. They're not going to be this way forever. We've seen the ups and downs. But you also have the ability to maybe take advantage of a market where people are motivated and maybe you're getting a little bit better deal. So it's a lower price right now, but a higher interest rate. Here's a crazy thing. When the interest rates change, your payment will drop, right? But the sales price will never drop you know, from that standpoint. And so many people focus on the investing side from the appreciation standpoint. Appreciation happens, but we don't want to rely on it. What we do want to rely on is that this asset that technically we can partner with tenants mm. to pay off an asset over time mm-hmm. that will eventually be our passive income down the road. And so what I see a lot of people doing is like, oh, well, this doesn't cash flow. Well, you put $500 a month into your 401k and it doesn't cash flow. And it has no tax benefits other than you know, you're not paying taxes on the $500 that you put in it. Right. So it's a mindset shift around what that looks like. So here's the other thing that's really weird. If I said, hey, if you wanted $4 million for retirement and you could borrow it over the next five to seven years and somebody else is going to pay that $4 million off, would you do it? Because that's what investing in real estate is. Yes. We're actually borrowing retirement money. Somebody else is paying it off. And then we end up with the passive income and the owned assets free and clear at whatever age that is. So it really is a mindset shift around what I want to do and what I want to accomplish. And that's where you know the question always for any of my students or clients is, how much passive income do you want to have at what age? And then we reverse engineer how many houses that's going to require. And then we develop a strategy. And if they will just play the strategy... So our good friend, Tracy O'Malley, her son's 25. I just sold him his first condo, right? We looked at condos from a rental perspective. What is this going to look like as a rental? So that's what we did. We went out and we bought a rental that he's going to live in. Now, he is already working on the next path for the next stage, which in about 12 to 18 months, we will start the process all over again. And his goal by the age of 35 is to own $4 million worth of rental properties. And by the age of 55, they will be free and clear, even if we don't count appreciation. Mm -hmm. And he'll have about $10,000 a month in passive income. I love that. Just by being willing to pick up his furniture and move from one house to the next. Yes. I love this mindset, right? For just being willing to be the tenant in your first property, right? That is, you've got me thinking already about even my kids who are going off to college. I remember a guy I dated in college, one of the smartest things they did, he went to medical school there. They actually bought a condo for him to live in Mm -hmm. while he was in school there because they were going to have to pay rent anyway, right? 
And yep. it ended up being one of the first income properties that he was able to actually own as he like walked away from that. It's got me thinking about my children and, and there. That's brilliant. So so let's talk about the children because somebody somebody put a question in the group thread this morning uh-huh. that you asked yes. about, right? Yes. And this is one of the things that I'm loving to create right now. And I've kind of called some people out on it, which is you have an opportunity. So let's let's take one of your kids, they're getting ready to go to college. Mm-hmm. You have the opportunity. I will never co-sign for my kids and let them have the asset. I'm not going to rent my credit to them. What I will do is partner with them. So if I partner with them at the beginning, so let's say they're going to go to college in Alabama and you can buy a condo or a house. We're going to partner with them because you have the income and they have good credit. They don't have to have the whole job thing because of that, right? But we are partnering. So he's going to get the cheaper owner-occupant loan and the less money down than what it would take for you to buy an investment property of 20% down. Hmm. Now, once that happens, you guys are going to create a partnership and you are both going to be on title and you're going to go through and help create the business out of that house, which means if you have four rooms, we're going to rent each one of these rooms to roommates. You're going to be responsible for collecting rent. We're going to have a profit and loss every month. We're going to go through this and we're going to run a business. And once we perfect this model, we can go do it again. Mm. So imagine a kid in college that every year we set out to do this one more time. Mm. Now, you and your son or daughter have a four-home portfolio that you own together that is now a family asset that continues to work for all parties. Then... Maybe they're ready to buy their first property on their own and they're not working with mom and dad on it. So now they can go out and do their own and start to create their own portfolio. But it is a way to help them learn something, help them operate a business, help them understand the real estate side of things and the aspect and what it takes to run that rental property, move things in and out. Mm, So good. I think the thing that keeps like coming back to me as we're talking is it's the long game. Right. Like we under it is a long game. We overestimate what we can accomplish in in a day, a week, or even a year. Right. But we we underestimate what we can accomplish in a number of accumulating years. Right. Yes. Um so good. So when it comes to kids, a couple other things I would love for you to share. I know that, and this is just kind of on the tax end that I know that you're doing with your kids. Can you talk a little bit about how we can employ our children? I know you and I were just talking about my son who is just picking up managing my YouTube channel and doing some work for us. And what are some, you know, legal smart tax strategies that we can do to empower our kids and be optimizing tax strategy at the same time? Okay, so I'm going to share this with you. It was really interesting and I don't think I don't know if you've seen this is that this same question was posed to me at a speaking event. And I did it and my editor cut the video out of context. And when it was posted to Instagram, it went viral over the last 10 days. It's had 5.3 million views. It's been shared like 160,000 times and it's got like a thousand victim comments on it, right? So it's hysterical, the hatred and the people that throw rocks from having this type of strategy. So here's what it is. And actually it's, it sucks because the video I did talk out of context on it. And I'm like, ah, I said the wrong thing. You know, when you're speaking, you're like, oh crap, that was the wrong thing. Oh yeah. And once you say it, it's it's done. But I will, before you even get started, I will say like, I am a huge advocate. I've got the book tax-free wealth. And before we move forward, if anybody starts to judge strategies around tax, go read that book. To me, it was one of the most eye-opening books that I read that really talked about how the reason the government has policies and rewards in place for tax is to reward certain behaviors for small business owners. And so if I'm fucking employing my child in the house and they're learning a work ethic at 11 years old in my house versus sitting here playing video games all day, um, I am creating an economic value to the world, to the government, right? So anyway, so my audience yeah, so, knows that they can fuck off if they don't if they don't like what we have to say. Well, so here's that. here's the other piece too is that everything has variables. So the largest investment we make on an annual basis is to our CPA and our tax attorney. Okay. When I come to her with like literally she's on retainer. So I'm like, "Hey, crazy idea time. Is this legal? How do we structure it? What does it look like?" 
So take this with a grain of salt and go talk to a CPA and go, hey, what does this look like? Your business might be different. The way you structure it might be different. I'm going to tell you how we structured it in order to not commit tax fraud or anything like that. It was a way to help my kids understand budgeting money and what expenses look like. Because I believe as parents, we go through and you know, we are just paying for things and we're not teaching our kids the value of a dollar. Yes. And we wanted to teach our kids the value of a dollar because Wendy grew up with no money. Mm-hmm. I grew up with some money, but both of our parents were terrible with money. Right. That was the common denominator, right? So we were going to teach our kids a better value of money and the earned dollar and what expenses were. So at ages 10 and 12, we were advised we own a real estate business, we own a construction business, and we own rental properties that we could employ our kids for certain things. Now, what's funny about the haters out there that said tax fraud and all these things, I'm like, uh, you can't employ your kids. How many freaking six-year-old YouTubers are out there making a million dollars a month? Uh, Ryan, Ryan Toys Uh, Review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So let's just put that in perspective. So what I looked at was both Wendy and I have companies. So we employed each child in each company and they were responsible for multiple things. Now, the salary that you put your kids on depends on the work they're doing. Right. So that can be adjusted however you want to do it, right? The the rule of thumb is somewhere below $15,000 to make it just as far as a reasonable salary for a child that age. And then what are the responsibilities? So we had written job descriptions for them. You know, it was washing cars. It was marketing at school, right? I mean, these kids would pass out t-shirts. They would be the loudest mouths when parents are like, yeah, I'm thinking about moving. They're like, oh, my parents are realtors, right? They, right. they were doing the things. Right. And believe it or not, my clients drug kids in. I can't tell you how many friends they became friends with that their parents became clients because they were friends, right? right? And so there was this ongoing thing and we did a lot of sponsorships at their school. So they were constantly working booths and they were going with us and they were doing things at home for us and they were cleaning the office that we own. So there were tasks that they were responsible for every week mm-hmm. and we paid them for that and they were on payroll. So they paid taxes, they paid social security, they paid Medicare, and then they filed taxes every year, right? Like legitimate tax paying citizen, right? Now, what happens was is, is their paychecks went into a joint checking account with them. And what we did is we wanted to show them the value of their education what we were paying for it because they were going to private school and how to put some money away for future that we didn't do and how to, how to budget for the things that they wanted. So here's the three things that we did. Their salary went into a joint checking account. We explained to them and then gave them a choice, which at about eighth grade, we gave them the choice. They were going to private school. So we showed them how much we were paying for private school. And then we put that on them that it had to come out of their checking account to pay for their private school. So they knew like, oh, it's like $600 a month for us to go to school. You know, what's the importance of it? But then we also showed them, hey, you know, compounding interest long-term, if you do this from this age, $500 a month goes into an IRA, right? Because the kids can have IRAs. This is where I misspoke in the video. I said 401k, they can't have 401ks because all of our employees would have to do it. So they had an IRA that we set up separately and we put like $433 a month. So we were showing them where their paychecks were being divvied up. Mm. Then we gave them $100 a week out of their paycheck. Now, this is, this is where the hatred comments came in, okay? As a parent, I guarantee you, you were spending more than $5,200 on your kid's bullcrap every year. Yes. If you added it up, clothes, back to school shopping, shoes, birthday parties, movies, you'd be amazed at the birthday presents, how they change when it has to come out of their $100 versus my wallet, (laughs) right? They're like, here's a $50 squirt gun. Well, maybe they get a $10 one instead, right? Right. But here's what we're teaching them. You have the choice. Mom and I will buy food. You can pack your lunch or you can buy lunch at school, but it comes out of your $100 a week. So if you spend $5 a day, that's $25 or 25% of your weekly allowance or pay that you're taking. So you can recapture that by making a turkey sandwich out of the fridge if you want to. It's a way to save money and recapture. So we were teaching that. We were just kind of showing them like, hey, here's your IRA account. Here's how it's grown. This is the percentage rate or this is what lost. 
but we also showed them what it might look like in 30 years if it just sits. Mm -hmm. And so those were ways that we were teaching them the value of a dollar and how to do it. And again, they were an employee of the company. We weren't just taking money out of the company, paying them for doing nothing, and then moving money around. That wasn't what the deal was. It was a true strategy that was completely approved, that we walked through, that we document all the things, and it was part of our business. Now, we still do it. They still have responsibilities. We still help them invest, and it's for the long term. So, you know, some of the haters out there were like, oh, you're creating spoiled kids, or I wish somebody gave me $100 a week, but here's the deal. $5,200 had to take them to August when they wanted to buy school clothes, when they wanted to buy shoes, when they wanted to go roller skating, all those things they had to budget for. So we're trying to teach them like, hey, make sure it's July. You need to save some money because school clothes are coming up. Mm -hmm. So if you want new clothes, you're going to have to have the money for it. I'm not buying it. And those were the the stop gaps that we put in place for that to help them understand now that they're 18 and 20 and they're both working they're understanding like, oh, you know, X amount of money out of every paycheck is going to car payment or going to insurance or going to this. And so they've learned how to budget for those things and their extracurricular things. Yeah. You know, their, their expenses have gotten a lot more now that we're drift racing and we're doing different things on our cars. And so they're learning the expenses of that stuff. This is all so good. And you're right. It is absolutely life skills. And it's interesting. I think that a lot of us who are raised with not a lot but are doing fairly well ourselves, it's a challenge raising your kids. It can be that you don't want to raise children who think that things just come easy just because just because I'm wearing a $400 shirt doesn't mean that you are entitled to do that because you're living in this house. Right. I worked my ass off in order for right. this dollar value lifestyle things that we have. And so I love that you bring this forward because we've seen it even in our own house. We aren't at that level, but I'm really excited to get there. Our kids have a divided allowance that they get each week for work that they do in the house. And when they want certain things, they've got the little green light cards and they have to invest part of it. They have to give part of it. And I've seen it in my oldest son. It's funny. He's learning that, you know, sometimes it's worth it to buy things that are more expensive, but in other scenarios, it's best to go cheap. It's funny. You talk about water guns because he, he wanted to save money. He's a saver. And so right. he saw it was like a 20 or $30 difference on like the knockoff Nerf, Nerf brand gun versus the real one. And he came home and within like five minutes, it broke. And he was like, this was a scenario where the higher investment would have been worth it because it was better quality, right? So there's like so many yep. things learned back and forth and the tug and pull of where you want to put your money. And the last thing I'll say on this, because it's so good, I know you and I were talking about it before we jumped on is... The reason my son came on today to start working on the YouTube channel is because he's getting extra money put into his green light account for additional chores he's been doing this week because his camp's been rained out, right? And this morning he checked his app and he's like, it looks so good to have 10 more dollars in my account than it did yesterday. This is like him physically seeing the money grow. And he said, I want to make more money today, mom. And so I'm just drawing little lines for you and how this can snowball for any entrepreneur is that today we spent 15 minutes training him up on YouTube, got him dialed in, got the passwords, trained him on probably five or six hours of work to do. You better be damn straight. I'm going to go back and figure out how this is a tax deduction in my business because I'm going to be paying him out of the pocket of my business to do this work. And it's teaching them life skills, right? So I am behind you 100%. And I love, I love the concept. Yeah. And back to, you know, what you said about the green light, like the extra $10. And here's where anybody can start, no matter where you're at in life right now. There's something that I say every time I speak, and it's a dripping faucet fills a bucket right? So in your finances, I learned from when we lost everything that had I taken 5%, 1% of every commission check and put it in a separate account, it would grow over time, a little bit at a time, just like a bucket will fill up as it drips, right? So if you won't save $5 out of 100, you won't save 50 out of 500, and you won't save 5,000 out of 100,000. Because you haven't created the habit. And that's the muscle that you need in order to invest is to be able to live on 95% or 90%. And as you make more money, you're like, great, I can put more money away. I can live on 50% of what I make and and invest 50%, right? This is where, you know, I guess we'll kind of transition into the people that do have money. 
one of the things that drives me insane in our industry, you know, in the influencer, the entrepreneur industry is that the more money is made, the more the lifestyle increases Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rather than how do I like keep living here? I'm making more money. So I'm living on less and I'm taking my earned income and turning it into assets Mm -hmm. so that when it comes down, I'm going to share a story with you in just a second. When it comes down to it, I have these things that are working in the background that are also tax write-offs, tax deductions, and things that are going to protect me from the oh shit moments later on in life. Mm-hmm. And I have a client that was, a lot of you probably know in the network marketing space when AdvoCare went under, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. AdvoCare went under. These people were great clients and friends of ours still are today. $1.4 million of annual income turned off in 60 days. They had saved some money, which was great. But five years prior to that, I'm like, dude, you're making so much money. Like, I need 50 grand a quarter to put into assets. That's a down payment. That's all we need at that time. I'm like, 10 assets over two years. That's all we need. Now, had he listened, he would have had, I mean, especially when COVID happened, those assets would have been worth quadruple what he paid for them. Had he taken some of the earned income and rather than going, you know, on trips and spending things and this, that, and the other, those assets would have been their savings grace. Now they're fine, but he absolutely regrets Mm -hmm. not just listening to what I said. Like, dude, this isn't sexy. It's not fun. Things break, but the stock market goes up and down too. But we need some assets and some write offs and some protection. So if this happens, we have this. And so that is always something I tell people is like, hey, the more money you make, mm-hmm. let's make a plan. Maybe it's once a year, maybe it's every six months. Just set aside $100,000 to put down on a house, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, and that's where you get into some people that, that do have money. What do they do next? Yeah, such good advice. And I will say that that was some of the best advice. You may not even remember this, but I do. I mean, it was the first time I ever met you, Steve, two years ago when we when I first joined Chris's Mastermind. There were a lot of you know coaches and influencers and, and folks in the group. And you were like, this is great. Like the, the cash flow you guys are making, it's great, but it's still month to month. You're still having to get leads. You're still having to get clients. How is the money you're making you know, working harder for you than you worked for it? Where are you putting it? Or is this like, is this your plan for the next 50 years? Right. And that really, you know, our conversation and your experience and your knowledge in real estate really motivated me. If you remember walking away from that event, promising that I was going to set aside 10% for the rest of the year so that I could start investing. And to this day, for me personally, what I do is at the end of every month, I actually look at the exact amount of cash that's come into my business. And there's a direct deposit that I do. I do the math. 10% of the cash that came in goes into that asset account every single month without fail. And I just don't depend on that money to use in the business or to spend on my family. It's my retirement plan, right? Sure. (laughs) It's going into something else. So I love this. So good. Okay. So a couple of things, because I know we're getting close to time here. We're wrapping up, but I want to talk about your book, first of all. And then I want to talk about how people can get closer to you because you have so much knowledge. Tell us a little bit about this brand new book that just came out. Uh, Limitless Real Estate Strategies. You know, Whether you're in the real estate business or curious about real estate, this book is for you. It's it's a culmination of stories from my business. It's really going to open your mind up to the limitless possibilities that real estate provides. And there's so many myths that hold people back from investing. Reason being, like even in the real estate business, there's so many people, they, they call a friend of theirs that's a real estate agent. And they've been doing it for two years and they don't know what's possible. And it's nothing against those that don't know what's possible. But the goal for this book is to improve people's mindset around real estate and what's possible and ask better questions and think outside the box. Mm. That's how we grew our portfolio. That's what I'm teaching people now. Like, hey, let's think outside the box, right? So when you look at our good friends, you know, Keisha and Sina, and me coaching them through their inheritance, right? Where does somebody go to get coached through inheriting eight properties? You call a real estate agent, like in your local market that, you know, their their only concern is how do I sell this? Well, I coached with Cena. I said, look, 
here's how we're going to cut this up. Here are the ideas. Here are the options. And they took it and ran with it. And what they were able to accomplish with the advice that I gave them was insane. It didn't require me as a real estate agent. It required me as a strategist for them to open up their minds and see what was possible, right? We we sold some land on seller financing that created passive income. We rented one property out. We cleaned another. Like So we moved all these pieces around mm-hmm. that created some passive income. It created some seed money for their VRBO business. And so it was a great strategy. It didn't require me to be the real estate agent, right? right. So some of you might have real estate agents they're like, oh, I really like my real estate agents. They do a great job. And I love that because there's a lot of great real estate agents out there. Right. Do they have the knowledge and the advice to give you and question what is for your future? Yes. Right. So the book is really to open that up. I mean, I talk more people out of selling their homes and keeping them as rentals because I understand what it will do for their future to where. I think it's about 90%. The stats are all over the place or the percentages. Average is about 90% from different places that say 90% of real estate agents do not own investment properties, but they will give you advice on whether or not to keep or buy an investment property that they know nothing about and they've never experienced. Yes. And so sometimes as a general public, we need to ask better questions. And again, it's nothing against your agent. They're just not there but they should be. And the book is a great place to start, right? Because I want people to understand like, Hey, I don't want you to die. Like my dad did. Yeah. Super smart. You did a lot of real estate, but you own nothing. Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. Okay. Steve, where can people get this book that are listening right now, streaming live, listening to the podcast later, where can they go grab it? Amazon.com. It's on the bestseller list right now. It is Limitless Real Estate Strategies by Steve D. Valentine. It comes right at the top the minute you search for it. it's Again, it's on the bestseller list. It will open your mind to new possibilities and new ways to think about real estate, how it's done, how it's cut up. And there's, there's some fascinating strategies in there and what we've accomplished in our business. So good. And shameless plug here. Steve's actually coming to our Burnout to All Out live event. He's going to be one of our keynote speakers at our VIP on our VIP day. And this book is being gifted, I think, to all of our VIP members. So you guys, a couple of ways you can maybe work with Steve. Number one, if you want to see him live, come to Nashville with us. Come check us out at our Burnout to All Out live event. But also beyond the book, What kind of work courses, programs do you have as we're wrapping up that people can maybe come discover to get closer to you and work with you? Okay. So for the price of 10 Happy Meals a month, we have what's called the Limitless Circle, which is actually a really cool community that my wife and I have developed. We didn't talk about my wife, right? I mean, she's the other part of this badass journey. My wife is a female general contractor and designer. She has renovated and flipped a thousand homes in the last eight years. She's insane when it comes down to the construction side of things and what to know and what to do, what not to do. And so we're actually teaching together real estate wealth, life and legacy, the things that we've done with our kids, our different business strategies, our real estate strategies. Like tonight on our first call, we're actually going deep into a property we just bought. We have Wendy's bid on it and we're going to determine as a group what direction we go with it. Should we sell it as is? Should we keep it as a good investment? Is it not? Where we got the deal, what it looks like. And so it's eye-opening for $100 a month to be in front of people that are constantly questioning us and going through things. And you know, sometimes my consulting on the private side is two to $3,000 an hour. And this is a way to be around it and be around like-minded people. So if you're looking for a start and some encouragement, some awareness, this is a great place to start. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So where can they sign up for it or register for it or get access to it? Uh, the limitless circle.com, or they can go to stevedvalentine.com and it leads into the limitless circle as well. Perfect. And so that's tonight for you guys who are watching right now. Can you say it one more time, Steve? The limitless circle.com. And then our call is at 6 PM tonight, Arizona time. So a little bit later for you East coasters. But just a just an insane amount of knowledge just on this one call tonight uh, that we're doing. Awesome. So good. 
Oh my gosh. I could like, we could go back for round two. We could have multiple interviews. I can't wait to really have you with our VIPs in Nashville and get a real dynamic conversation with our audience. Such good information, Steve. You are making such an impact in this world and empowering people um, with this knowledge that's just so incredibly valued. I appreciate you so much. Any final remarks, anything else our audience needs to know before we wrap up? I think it's just being open-minded to there are limitless possibilities. If you will ask questions, you will learn from others' mistakes, and you will listen more than you talk or have an opinion about things. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is the ultimate guide to success in anything that you're doing. Look at what other people have done and ask questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep going back to that video. There's been two or three people in that thread that have actually DM'd me and asked the specific question, like, Hey, how was this done? How is it legal? What did it look like? Mm -hmm. Rather than people going, you're committing tax fraud, right? Mm -hmm. And and being the victim, you're not a victim. Mm -hmm. So stop being one, Mm -hmm. ask questions, see what people are doing just because you're not there. Remember you look at Melissa, you look at myself, you look at anybody else success, successful. We've all started at the bottom. I had kids when we were broke. We couldn't afford things. My wife waited tables. I fixed sprinklers to make money to move forward. So I understand not having anything. Yeah. So don't throw rocks when somebody's successful because there's things they learned along the way that you can also learn and get to that point. You just need to be around the right people that are going to encourage that in your life. Oh my gosh. Mic drop. So good. Thank you so much, Steve. And I can't wait to see you in a a couple months. Thank you, Melissa. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys, so much for listening in on today's podcast episode. I can't wait for you to see my upcoming guest in the next episode. You are going to love this keynote speaker. Hey, here's the deal. If you liked this, please subscribe and leave a review. And you want the latest online business growth strategies and exclusive LinkedIn pro tips sent straight to your phone? Text the word UPDATES to 1-833-310-7171. Again, text the word UPDATES to 1-833-310-7171. Can't wait to see you guys. Come find me over on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever you like to hang. I cannot wait to hear how you are enjoying and applying what you're learning. You guys reach out to me over on social because I love hearing what's resonating with you. When you reach out to me and you send me those personal DMs, they really do impact the content I continue to bring forward to you. So again, come find me, Melissa underscore Hinault over on Instagram, Melissa Hinault over on LinkedIn and Facebook. Can't wait to see you guys over there.